Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Wrestling's Unplugged and Undeniable. I am your host, Jesse Velasquez. I have a co-host for the month of April that is not Maria Rose. She's taken a small leave of absence. So I have a little bit more of a uh, diverse platform and conversation today because my guest is in tune with a lot when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. Guest host coming up here is Bruce Hazelwood. Thank you, Jesse, for inviting me on for the entire month. I'm, I'm actually very excited and hope that I could fill her shoes very well for the next month and have her come back and think that I at least maintained and didn't drop the ball. I think in terms of the professional wrestling aspect, you're going to pick it up. I think in terms of the pop culture and where she brings her personality to the table, you're going to have some shoes to fill. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no doubt about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to start with a probably definitely the heaviest topic of the entire podcast. And um, I don't touch on New Japan much here, and I at least definitely not as much as I would like to. Will Ospreay is our new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. And there's been a lot of controversy over the last year, even going back further with Will and how he has blacklisted a specific female performer because he was covering up some allegations from a close friend of his. And um, with the Me Too movement and this, or, yeah, and this speaking out all last summer and how intense that was, and you're seeing people that have been fired in the past now. Um, there's a couple that have been deemed invincible um first off let's just dive into your thoughts on him winning the championship and then go more into the allegations and things like that sure so let's also not forget that his partner b Priestley, has also been accused in that same vein of blackballing and also being a bit um maybe physically abusive in, in training and in the ring with other wrestlers so both of them um have these what seem to be very credible allegations against them and the thing with Will Ospreay and B. Priestley specifically is they've kind of gone the, I don't want to say his name, but JR route in terms of trying to make it seem like either nothing happened or you're defending yourself to the end. You know who I'm talking about. I'm not, I don't want to say his name, but the initials are JR, right? And uh, a lot of people, especially because, so right before this all happened, remember Will Ospreay had his little Twitter beef with Seth Rollins about the bank account and all that. Right, people are all on Will Ospreay, like, yeah, good for Will Ospreay, because Seth Rollins is being a, being a dick, cool. But then all this came out, right? And he reacted, B. Priestley and himself reacted very, um, I'd say, in a very problematic way. And that has not left a great taste in a lot of fans' mouth, especially fans that, that I know and that I see who are of color and or women. So, and or gay, trans, you know, any basically any minoritized identity. Will Ospreay is a white dude, B. is a white woman, they have white privilege, sir, they may be from Australia, but it's still white privilege. Um, and the other thing about this that makes it worse uh, is New Japan signed Marty Skrull, who has had many credible allegations of basically rape and, you know, to a certain extent, I don't want to make it sound like he's with children, but he was doing things with teenagers as mm-hmm. well, uh, younger women. And so New Japan not only put their main title, which... I'm still kind of upset about how they they fused the titles and made the lineage all weird. And people are still kind of just like, so are the IWGP Intercontinental Champions now considered IWGP Heavyweight Champions because the lineages have been fused? What does that mean then? Uh, but you put that on Osprey, and then you're bringing in Marty Skrull to work. And presumably because of who Marty Skrull is, he's not going to be just some, you know, a step above the young, young Lions. He's going to be a major player in New Japan. New Japan has really, to use the, the 
the term, ha- has shot themselves in the foot so many times in the last year, particularly since Harold Meggie left. Like they've yeah. really done a lot of bad things in terms of booking, presentation, reputation. Putting the title on Osprey Sinus Girl is one of those things, or those two of those things, I should say, which just keeps exacerbating the issues that New Japan has been going through, unfortunately, because we know they are, when it comes to men's wrestling, because they don't have a women's roster, they are, in terms of quality, in ring, uh, the stories you get in the ring, there is no other promotion in the world that gives you what New Japan gives you, right? And for some people, that that's that's they don't want that. They want more of the story. They want more of the theatrics that WWE might give them, or a little bit of the AEW side, right? But in terms of just pure wrestling, New Japan is the best out. I just, I'm less interested in New Japan now because of Skrull and because of Osprey being the heavyweight champion than I was even during the doldrums when Evil was a double champion, right? You know, I'm a big Shingo Takagi fan, and he, I think oh, Shingo yeah. Takagi should have all the belts, right? Um, mm-hmm. He should be getting the one being pushed. But, so you know, I still like New Japan for those people, right? The the Shingo Takagis, if you like your Toriyanos, if you like your Yoshihashis, if you like your Kota Ibushis, uh, if, if you like your Tanahashis and all that, right? Your Okadas, that's fine. But how it's being set up around... I would much rather still have Jay White be the champion instead of mm-hmm. uh, Will Ospreay. If you're going to go with the Gaijin, I would much rather have Jay White be the Gaijin champion, right? Uh, Ibushi's title right hadn't been that great either just because of all the different things going on with the belts too. So it's just it's just all weird New Japan right now, Jesse. I, don't, I really don't know. It's bizarre. I, I, I really like the, poach, the post-match angle with that, with Shingo and Okada coming in. So Osprey has two challengers already set up. Then you have G1 rolling in, but then I couldn't get the thought out of my head when Osprey won the championship. And I will relatively admit, or I will readily admit that Will Osprey two, three years ago was either my favorite or second favorite New Japan performer. The guy in the ring is incredible. So the question I am going to ask you is, and I think I know the answer, art from artist. Is it extremely difficult? Can can you separate it or no? I mean, to a certain extent, I can't. And I, you know, I teach... Right now, I'm teaching a hip-hop around the globe class for a university. And I tell them, like, you know, I listen to thug shit. Like, that's all I listen to pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. The J.R. Riders, the Tupacs, the, mm-hmm. the Camerons, UGK, all the A lot of problematic stuff in there, right? Um, and I try to tell them, when you're going to, to separating the art from the artist, it's a very thin line because while the music is problematic, uh, very few of these rappers that I know of have that I have seen or listened to have been credibly accused of any sort of nefarious things, right? You drug charge, I don't give a crap about drug charges, right? But things like murder, rape, those kind of things, like that's different for me than if they went to jail for for a drug charge or for some tax fraud or something. You know, it's a little different to me. Um, now, when it comes to issues of gender and sexual empowerment and sex and all that. Um, I think it's harder to do that because we've seen just how negatively affected people who have suffered from these actions have had their lives been, right? And like everything's coming out with T.I. and Tiny lately. And I haven't listened to T.I. in a a long time, just partly because of these issues, right? Uh, These accusations that have been piling up and it's more and more women, right? Like the whole Deshaun Watson thing in the NFL, there's more and more and more and more keep piling up. And at that point, like I believe the women, right? At the first one, like that's when I stopped with T.I. With the first one, Deshaun Watson, I was like, oh, let's not do that. Let's stop, right? I think when it comes to issues of like race, gender, sex, those are the areas where it's harder for me to separate the art from the artist because of the actual everyday effects that it has on people. I'm a person of color. I'm half Korean, right? So I've suffered the effects as well. And for me, I can't, I can't just get rid of that. And when I think about things, right? So it comes into play more for me in those situations. Yeah, we agree. And I had Kel Dansby on two weeks ago. Shout out to him, by the way. He's, they're all about advocating race, gender, all of it. And we got into a brief discussion about um, hip hop as well as uh, we can't call R. Kelly him anymore. It's Robert Sylvester Kelly because of what he's done. It's just insane. And the name that he's made for himself, it's like, how disgusting is it of him hanging outside of high schools waiting for people to get out? Like you can't, how can you listen to his music the same? You can't. And that's the way I'm starting to feel about Osprey, especially when he, when he pinned Ibushi, I just sat there with my mouth. I'm like, how am I supposed to feel right now? I don't know. And that's not the reaction you should be having for a momentous occasion like that. Right. And I'm like, you will Osprey. If, even if you take all the stuff, right. One of the best technical wrestlers, one of the best wrestlers in the world, that still doesn't excuse the actions that he's he's undergone and, and has done to people. Yeah, he's done an amazing job of transferring his junior heavyweight style to the heavyweight 
division. Mm-hmm. He's still got the, the flippy shit. However, he's telling it's better stories in the ring. He's grown. He's adapted. He's gotten so much better as a performer where I feel that if, again, if everything wasn't happening, the world would be celebrating like, wow, this guy is like the next big thing. Well, and if you remember about five years ago, he was having injury issues because he was trying to do that. He was trying to adapt that style, but he hadn't added the muscle mass yet. Once he added more of that muscle, then you saw it really come together because he wasn't putting his body at too much risk. So it all really came together for him. And then right at his peak speaking out and his reactions and all that. And so it's just, yeah, it's very complicated. Which is why he's, he's going to be a transitional champion. I truly believe it. I think Shingo, I think he's going to defeat Shingo again. And those two, they have the best, I think they have the best chemistry in the world together. It's unbelievable. I don't think they've had a bad match. And then I think Okada is going to be the one to do it. I mean, I'd rather see Shingo get it because I'm a huge Takagi fan. And I think he can go with anybody in the world. You put him in, in a match and at worst, you're going to get a three and a half star match. Uh, that man can go. But, you know, they might be going on, on a more of a, a long term journey with Shingo to become the heavyweight champion. Just what I'm rooting for. He's about to turn, I think he's, well, I know he's 38. Um, so yeah, he's hitting his early 40s. So prime is probably right now. Exactly. And in pro wrestling, your prime is about right, 38 to 42 or somewhere around there. Yeah, listening to a previous podcast, he used to say that um, they were like, oh, I guess we considered old when like Hogan was champion of WCW and Flair. But even back like 50s, 60s, there were guys in their early 50s that were still champions and at the top of the game. It's just because they were great at their craft and the presentation of it all. So last question on the IWGP championship. What do you think the story arc is going to be going forward for Coda? That's interesting, right? Because the last couple of years, his whole journey has been about becoming IWGP champion and maintaining that. And they just so unceremoniously took it from him. <clears throat> and if all you know of Kota Ibushi is what you saw in the Cruiserweight Classic in WWE, I mean, even if that's all you know, you know that this is one of the best performers in the world, bar none, right? To the point that he calls himself a god, right? It's a whole other issue. But with Ibushi, I think they're relying on the fact that he has such a cachet, such charisma, such a following of fans that he doesn't need the title. But that, again, goes against his entire portrayal of his character the past few years. So people were excited when Harold Medji left because they're like, oh, things are going to be different. There's got to be more more relationship with other companies. And we see that with AEW a little bit. But everything else within New Japan since Harold Medji left has just been bad. And this is one of those things because the consistency, the coherency between his character and what happens is just not there. Going forward, I don't know. There's no Intercontinental Championship now to, to put another big feud in so who knows yeah and i don't think will osprey is going to be separating those championships maybe there's going to be a story where somebody like a, a traditionalist wins the championship and says yep, we're splitting it back up and breaking Almost it back like up a tna storyline right now the tna and impact kind of championships mm-hmm. okay yeah maybe i think and i'm wondering maybe it's okada because okada yeah. just seems like that guy just mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Coda, I mean, they, they threw the armor on him with God and everything. And he signed a contract with New Japan, his first ever, I believe, professional contract to in a, to, commit, to compete in a promotion exclusively. So I think everybody knew that the push was coming and they knew he was going to get the title. And he did. Um, Three month reign. It was impressive, I guess. In his matches were very good. They always are. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just got to wonder. They literally like Osprey, like put the boots to him. So you got to wonder that if they're going to just break down his character and rebuild it back up. That's going to be an interesting storyline. And then with the G one coming, um, if we're going to see AEW performers, maybe one or two sprinkled in, maybe an Impact guy. Like G one this summer is going to be insane. If travel will allow it. Super psyched. Well, real quick, we're going to dive into AEW Dynamite since I didn't watch as much last night as I normally do. Unfortunately, I had some obligations, but I know we both caught up on bits and pieces of it. It seemed like a very nondescript show from a um, match standpoint, but the promos and the storylines, like the main ones, are picking up big time, which is always AEW's mantra. Uh, Give me your thoughts quickly on the promos, matches, etc. I'm very glad that Chris Jericho has gone back to being serious and stopped doing, trying to do all the funny stuff because for a time their inner circle was just, they went from being a legit heel threat group that could, you know, you don't want to mess with like the NWO first back in the day. And then they became just a comedic group. And I understand some of that was because of the quarantine, but I'm glad to see him and them back to where they should be in terms of basically they need to be AEW's version of what the Hurt Business was in WWE, right? And then, uh, so 
I, I like how that angle has progressed and I like the feuding factions and, you know, MJF and Jericho are going to have some great, great mic battles, right? It's moving until they have blood and guts. So that's, that's cool. And I'm, and I'm happy to see that they were able to, to, to actually have blood and guts happen for, because it was canceled because last of the quarantine that happened last year. Now the, so the, the, the final angle of the show, I've seen a lot of people say that this is a Bucks heel turn, but I just, I don't think it's actually a turn. I think it's been a natural progression of how their characters have been portrayed through the past few months. They've been portrayed both as heel, as face, um, at certain times tweeners. And part of that is because they've been trying to struggle through what Kenny Omega has been doing at, you know, their, their best friends and versus what they want. Um, they're, and, you know, if you think back a little bit, there never really was a, a clean split between the elite members in AEW. Adam Page just kind of went his own way. Cody just kind of did his own thing. And then Kenny Omega did his own thing. The Bucks did their own thing. So it's almost like they were trying to, their characters were trying to maintain some semblance of the elite while trying to get back into the good graces of Kenny Omega. And what we see last night is, to me, the, the path that they have been going, this is the, the most plausible and I think... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Best direction they could have gone. The Young Bucks finally have a direction. They're finally a bona fide heel at this point because they're associated with a heel champion and a heel duo or a heel team and the Good Brothers. And I think the next step for the Young Bucks is to change their name um, from Young to maybe just the Bucks or something because they have kids, they're fathers, they're in, they're not young no more, um, and it would go more along with their serious heel demeanor that they're going to portray alongside Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers if they have more of a name that has uh, coalesces more with their serious tone, in my opinion. So uh, for AEW. It was a great show to put on for the last quote-unquote Wednesday Night War, um, but I think NXT had the better show. We completely agree there. I'm actually really glad they went out with a bang last night. We're going to fast forward to that here momentarily. Um, I guess the weird thing last night about the last maybe 10 seconds, which Tony Schiavone's known for this, kind of dropping that we're out of time deal, but he mentioned Bullet Club again. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts? Like with the AEW, New Japan, maybe potential, I mean, not a merger, but like Kenta has been there already. Are we going to start seeing people sprinkled in this summer? Well, you know, Moxie's still the IWGP United States champion. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I just want to see G.O.D. And it really, I just want to see Tamatanga get on the mic and, and do some stuff in AEW because that man gives no Fs about anything. And I love that man just because of that and from what i'm told god actually lives in florida so they're not they do too far. so there's a possibility that they can do that um the bullet club tease now i would have liked shivani not to have done that or any of the announcers not to have teased that because when it did if it does happen then it's much more impact right um now that you drop the tease people are gonna be expecting it right there's already talk on twitter of who's gonna come in who's gonna do what um it could kind of lead to like a because you know once Omega, once the elite left New Japan, Bullet Club basically was just really went back to the people of color, right? <laughs> right, Tonga yeah. Tonga, Bad Luck Fale, Tonga Loa, mm-hmm. all of them, right? Um, and so you can potentially have in AEW, let's say uh, at their Memorial Day paper, you could have Bullet Club versus Bullet Club, essentially, right? Bullet Club AEW versus originally, you know, New Japan Bullet Club. And I think for AEW, I think for their fans, the fans who follow them, that is probably the dream match they could have, right? Because people that followed Omega, Rhodes, uh, the Young Bucks, Paige, they followed them in New Japan too. They know what they did in New Japan. They know the history. They they were the ones who bought the shirts at Hot Topic that made them bestsellers in the first place. And it got everybody to think about them, right? So I'm just thinking of merchandising, of promos, of of the bill. I think I would like to see, right, a Bullet Club AEW faction led by Omega, et cetera, the Good Brothers, whatever, going against... uh, the Bullet Club, New Japan with Tama, Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa, Bad Luck Fale, et cetera, right? And just see how it goes because um, regardless of who goes over, uh, 
it'll be memorable and the fans will definitely love it. And I would love it. We all would. And we all remember, especially if you have been following that, the civil war that took place, yep. it was July of 2018 when the Tongans, the G.O.D., they jumped, they beat the living hell out of Omega and Cody Rhodes after their match in, uh, was it San Jose or San Diego? Yeah. It was one of their, yeah, it was a U.S. show. Yeah, it was a U.S. show, and that's where it split. Like even even their dad came in. Ha- Haku did some did some damage too. So and if I, we can get Haku on screen, it's a win. It's a win. Yeah, that that dude can still probably mm-hmm. beat the hell out of some people. Um, yeah, that, his sons, <laughs> and they know that too. <laughs> yeah. They know that too. So I think that'd be sweet. I actually would love to see Jay White come over in this. See, oh, see that would the, be good. See the three of those: Jay White and Kenta, and then go five on five. Oh yeah. Yeah, no. Um, and then I really want to see Kenta versus Moxie in an AEW ring as well. Um, that should be that should be very. This is just me, maybe. No, it's, this isn't me. I felt that Moxie should have dropped the belt back in February. I Moxie is one of those characters to me where how do I put this? Because I like Moxie, he's great, but I think um, based on his ca- his name cache from WWE, I think he was a bit overrated coming to AEW, and I think that's maintained a little bit. Um, I think the best thing that they've done for him, though, is putting him with Eddie Kingston and keeping him away from the main event title picture uh, just to refresh him a bit and give him a new sort of uh, uh, personality trait, characteristic trait that we haven't seen really from him. It's going to be fun. And then Mm -hmm. you can see Hangman Page being slowly but surely going to get that world title shot real soon. I'm hoping they delay it one more show, one more pay-per-view. Yeah, I think he'll be the one taking off Kenny, but I'm, I'm hoping maybe they should save it for full gear, but that might be too long. We'll see all out full gear somewhere in there yeah, yeah. he's he's gonna take it and then um darby allen retained yesterday over jd drake jd drake everyone's just saying please sign the guy and mm-hmm. can't argue that whatsoever cannot cannot Very darby last, allen is yeah. interesting though because um they're calling him the face of the t of the network of tnt and i'm not sure if that's who tnt would really want but but you know he's a young dude he's charismatic he has he has um he's he's also someone who's who's had um allegations yeah. in the past so mm-hmm. that's also something to consider which is extremely interesting to me that they i mean it's gosh it's just kind of that water under the bridge with um like osprey and now darby allen um just like it's it's still there so mm-hmm. yeah we'll see how that goes i mean he he brings in a demographic that in my opinion is needed um more of a youthful feel where the where the kids can relate and they they're actually going to deem professional wrestling cool um that's something that kel and i talked about a lot was like People, specifically WWE, they're out of touch with the mainstream and bringing in younger and newer people. So hopefully, I mean, that's the direction they could take. They're trying with Bad Bunny and Wale's doing Biggie's entrance at WrestleMania. So they're trying. It's just a lot of times when they try, they, they go five years back, too far back instead of being right current. So Yeah, you're 100% correct, which obviously means we're going to stray away from AEW and dive into a WWE-centric last half hour-ish NXT TakeOver. Did you watch the pre-show match last night? Uh, I saw the last about five minutes of the pre-show match. And, you know, people... I'm not a Tony Storm fan. Like, she's she's a great person, but her character is very stale to me. It's very meh. Her in-ring style to me could be more dynamic. It's just... I feel like I'm going through the motions when I watch the Tony Storm match. Um, But I was very surprised that they had... um, Zoe Stark actually go over. Now I would have liked it to be more definitive but instead of a roll up, but they put her over, which you know, and she's been on that that path lately where she's been losing but getting hard fought losses, right? So she's been on that path of they're they're signaling to the fans that Zoe Stark is a future star you need to keep your eye on. So I was glad to see that. Um, I was also really glad to see Jimmy Smith commentating an NXT former Bellator mixed martial arts announcer, fantastic announcer. Um, he brings a, a sense of enthusiasm, but it's not to the it's very it's a technical enthusiasm where he knows the game he knows the sport um, and he's excited to see what happens uh, he's enthusiastic in a different way than marwan who was all about bringing in those pop culture references jimmy smith is all about talking about what is going on right then and there within the specific context of the match so i'm really excited to see that which is needed would you consider him more to be like a mike goldberg than a um Moro Ronaldo. I would say that yeah, he falls more under the Mike Goldberg trying to sound, trying to be cool to get those view, the younger viewers in a little more. Um, and I was never a big fan of Mike Goldberg, <laughs> to be honest, because he it just seemed like he was trying too hard. With Moro, it felt more authentic, but you could still tell he was trying to to bring in as many references as possible, which. I didn't mind too much, but I understand if a lot of people got irked by that. Yeah, absolutely. I can give a quick 20-second story on Mike Goldberg. He actually started out as the Minnesota Wild television color commentator here. We loved him. He's great 
in in the NHL world. Um, UFC obviously is very good, was very good, but you're right, maybe a little bit too over the top and wasn't yeah. quite describing the action that we should. WWE tried to sign him. Yeah, I'm actually glad they didn't. Um, knowing how WWE works with their commentators, it would have just become unbearable with Mike with um, Mike Goldberg because he has a great voice. Mm-hmm. And they would have overplayed that with him too much, I feel like. Just with looking at how they do all their announcers on them, especially on Raw and SmackDown. Absolutely. We 100% agree there. And it's 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 in JR's book as well, which is an extremely enjoyable read. I am definitely going to plug that because, I mean, it was awesome. I think it's uh, Under the Black Hat, if I'm not right. mistaken. Mm-hmm. It's got two of them. Yeah, he went into detail about how Mike Goldberg was positioned and prepared. They were going to groom him for it and ended up going back to JR, which was probably the right decision. It's hard yeah, to say. At the time, yeah. Yeah. Well, NXT TakeOver Saiyan and Deliver, which appropriately named, they delivered like they always do on an NXT TakeOver. And and we can both agree it was it was the superior show last night. Uh, the opening match alone, two of probably our favorites, and I know Kushida is definitely one of our favorites, uh, mm-hmm. competed in the opening contest against Pete Dunne. Your thoughts on that one? It needed 10 more minutes. Um, oh, yeah. I felt like right when it got to the, to the climax, it ended. Um, I am... I just don't know why they keep having Kushida lose. He is the best junior heavyweight of the last 20 years, especially the last decade. He's one of the best. He, when it, the match was about who's the better technical wrestler. It's not even a question in my mind who the better technical wrestler is, and that's definitely Kushida. Okay, Pete Dunne's a great technical wrestler, but I think Kushida is still head and shoulders above. Um, my big issue with the match and with any Pete Dunne match is the joint manipulation in spots because he tends mm-hmm. to take too long, and I'm like, yo, just poke him in the eye. Kick him with your other leg. Like You have three free appendages. Do something with it. Um, but the match, it's they put on a clinic, just as you would expect, just like Kushida and Johnny Gargano at Vengeance State. I mean, you put Kushida in there with anybody, like I said earlier with um with Shinko Takagi, you're gonna get a great match. So um it needed 10 more minutes, but it was a great way to start the show. Under 11 minutes, 10:40. Yeah, I think the only shorter match was the women's main event. So there's that there's a little the, the usually the opening and, and main event of takeovers are the longest matches and they were the shortest matches last night which is absolutely crazy to think but they were under the television time constraint which is tough to do and um what's the longest match we're going to get into next probably i mean i guess considering there were six people in it and it was a gauntlet exactly. match um you had that deal what were your thoughts we'll go backwards just a little bit on the gargano kushida matches i think in terms of um match of the year candidates it's one of the most underrated out there and people don't talk about it enough oh the first first three or four minutes of that match were just so fast paced with them doing technical holes and reversing and grappling each other <sighs> look my my sweet spot in wrestling are people like kushida timothy thatcher Shayna baszler uh the you know brett hitman hard is my favorite going up right i love technical grappling submission based wrestling which is probably you know no surprise that i'm a big mma fan too and i love grappling i love jujitsu i hate when fans are like boo they're grappling i'm like shut you know shut up like you can't even see the, the art, yeah yeah you can't see the intricacies going on right um so that's my sweet spot. And that match was just fantastic. I, I need to go back and watch it again, but it definitely was at that point in time in February 14th, that was the best match of the year I had seen so at, at that point. And it's getting hard in, 20, in 2021 because literally there's at least a match a week on whatever show that you could put up there as match of the year. I mean, Sheamus has been on a run on Raw of just having great match after great match after great match. I wrote an article for Daily DDT where I said he is the first quarter in-ring MVP for Raw because he's just been that good, right? The quality in wrestling, in terms of in-ring, has never been better. The consistency in storylines, the engagement, that is where it's really lacking. Which is extremely unfortunate. I am putting the Gargano-Kushida match at the top of my North American list. I have yeah, not, it's a very good match. I have not seen a better match this year. That, that includes AEW, I don't think. I mean, for me, it's Omega Phoenix, I think, on that January, yeah. which was excellent. It was completely mm-hmm. different. Gargano-Kushida just hit every single chord correctly, and I can't say I'm surprised because both guys are um, not really talked about as much anymore just because people focus more on New Japan and then um, I'd say AEW even to an extent. Well, and I think with Kushida Gargano, when you look at it versus the Omega Phoenix match, uh, the spots are more believable in the Kushida Gargano match, whereas Phoenix and Omega and with AEW, you're going to expect to see more of the like theatrical in-ring stuff in terms of the flips in terms of the spots being set up in terms of they're doing a little better in terms of making it look like they're not just waiting around all the time, but in terms of the more believable wrestling match to the actual fight, I thought that Gargano and Kushida was better. And if you haven't, go out of your way to watch it now. I mean, Peacock right now is $2. No, it's $10.70 for four months. 
total two dollars and some odd cents. Go back and watch that. That's that's your homework for today. Hundred percent. Well, here is your longest match of the night: twenty-three minutes and fifteen seconds to be exact. And Bronson Reed emerged as your NXT North American number one contender. Um, ran the gauntlet with Cameron Grimes, Dexter Loomis, Isaiah Scott, Leon Ruff, and then Eli Drake, or better known now as LA Knight. Your thoughts on this one? Great, great match for Swerve. Uh, I think this match is one of those matches where they're going to look at it back and be like, we knew there was something there, but he just brought a little something extra to this match and we need to do something with him, right? He keeps, when they signed Swerve, I was like, yes, 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 right? Finally. And then they just, they made him go through like five different entrance musics and then they kept having to lose and all this stuff. But last night was a great night for him. Bronson Reed was the right choice considering who the champion is. And we don't want to see Loomis Gargano again. Uh, you know, the other play- people were all heels. So it really doesn't make sense for anyone except because Leon Ruff, we don't want to see that again either with Johnny Gargano. No. So only Bronson Reed made sense. And I'm glad because Bronson Reed, again, is one of those people who is extremely talented. NXT is just loaded with talent. Um, I think LA Knight has been booked perfectly for who his character is arrogant cocky smarmy heel, smarmy heel who thinks he's better than he is he eliminated one person gets up and talks smack and then he gets hit with three finishers and eliminated right away right so i think it's perfect for his character um your point about the time constraint with the tv i, I didn't think about this last night but maybe that's why it wasn't a gauntlet match in terms of lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details person defeated the next person comes out and they had the timer come down almost like Royal rumble that threw me off just because that's not how gauntlet matches work but with the time constraint i think that makes more sense so um overall longest match because of the time interval between um the begin there were some lulls in the match but towards the end when he just start, uh, saw swerve and reed just do all the things they could do it was those last 10 minutes or so really good shane strickland yeah isaiah scott he's yeah he's amazing go back watch his pwg work was he in ring of honor for a hot tick I'm not sure about that, but um, I know a lot of the independents. He had some great match. He had a great match with Chris Bay. Uh, he had some with uh, oh, was it AC? I miss. I'm forgetting who it was, but he's had gr- tremendous matches with a lot of great people. So just look up Swerve on on YouTube, and you'll get you'll get some playlists. God is just due. Yeah, Bronson Reed will be challenging Gargano tonight. So mm-hmm. he will win. Be- I-, I hope he wins. It's quite possible. There's another PWG, Jonah Rock, winner mm-hmm. of a BOLA at one point in time. So it'd be Mighty cool. Don't to- yeah, yeah, my thoughts exactly. We're moving on, though, to our match of the night by yes. far. Yes. This is the one that I watched from start to finish, and I'm like, no matter what, I'm tuning in. Um, Walter defeated Tommaso Ciampa in about 17 minutes, and it was about what you expected the two of them would do. I feel Walter can do no wrong these days. Give me your thoughts on the match. I tweeted this last night during the show, but how many wrestlers can you remember where there was just a palpable sense of anticipation in the air, just waiting for one move to happen? And that one move is a Walter chop. It's a chop. And everyone's just waiting for it, right? And when it happens, it's like, oh my God, right? That match last night, I have not jumped in my seat, watching wrestling, watching a wrestling match as many times as I did last night, watching this Walter Ciampa match in a long time. Oh my gosh, that big running boot he hit the Ciampa in the middle of the match. I, oh my goodness, I I thought Ciampa was concussed or something because that hit him flush. Walter, like you said, he he just brings this sense of not just edge and aggression, but I'm better than you and I'm going to show it to you and I'm going to make sure you understand that I'm better than you. When he hangs his opponent, you know, drapes him across the top, turnbuckle and starts putting his boot on their neck and he slaps them across the chest oh it, it was great and, and if you want to see a master class in ring psychology in terms of selling watch how walter sold the right hand all throughout the match to the point where he had to use his left hand to chop 
left-handed hit, left-handed McPin combinations and attempts. It was just very... Um, now, he did end up using the right hand to finish off Champa at the end with the chop, uh, but that came after a sleeper plex and right into a chop, and after the whole attrition of what they did, it made sense that it ended that way. I saw some people say it was anticlimactic. Sure, it just came out of nowhere, but Walter's chops have been billed as being that damn dangerous. So, But yes, this was hard-hitting, intense furious both men brought it. it this was the most offense i've seen walter take since i think the match where he defeated pete dunn to become the united kingdom champion and they had believable near falls for champa on walter which made the match that much more just engaging on my end couldn't have summed it up anymore um champa is amazing too i mean we saw the old guy from two three years ago give me your thoughts on him it was a very interesting uh journey his character just went through in this arc because he was old man champa for a little bit right and he had the scraggly hair his beard got even more gray throughout the time but once walter hit that chop on him when he was being held by eichner and bartell it seems to have triggered something in the character that oh this is what he wants okay, I'm going to go back to not NXT Psycho Killer. I'm going to be ROH Psycho Killer, right? Where he didn't give an F about anybody. He was drilling refs, going after fans, whatever, right? With Champa, he is at that point in NXT where he is essentially tough. He can take a loss. It won't matter. He can he can win, and that's fine. Too. But it all comes down to the fact that his character is believable. His character right now, even coming off a loss to Walter, probably is in a better spot than four months ago. And it's it's going to be interesting to see how they progress forward with Champa. Are they going to make him be this kind of face gatekeeper, or are they going to have him lean more tweener? What is he going to go after Walter again? Like, there, there's really mm, a myriad of possibilities you could do with Champa, and maybe part of that is he takes someone under his wing, or he just goes after the championship again, the NXT championship. Who knows? There's a lot of possibilities, and I'm excited because this champa character is very intriguing um it makes me more interested to see him than at the last few months up until this walter feud we're extremely psyched for the direction and now we get to see it on tuesday nights and in, in its individual entity and cannot be more excited to finally focus on both shows on right. separate nights which is huge for somebody specifically like me who they are my two favorite promotions in america gotta be there <laughs> You can't deny that. They're just, in terms of pure wrestling, AEW and NXT in the U.S., probably top two. You know, MLW and Ring of Honor are right behind them, though, in terms of that wrestling aspect. So, Especially MLW. NWA is yes. there, too. There's just so much out there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's awesome for all of us. NXT, tag team, triple threat match. I think the team that we wanted to win won the championships. I think the only, I mean, you couldn't have gone wrong with either any of these three teams at all grizzly young veterans legato del fantasma and of course msk formerly known as the rascals who came out on top your thoughts i think um having legato win would have been the most deflating of the three but i still don't think that it would have been necessarily bad because they've been a great tag team since they associated themselves with santos escobar i am a huge 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 grizzled young veteran excuse me let me try that again i'm a huge 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 grizzled young veterans fan Mm-hmm. And I thought they should have won both of the last two Dusty Cups. Um, the best triple threat tag team match I've ever seen is still their tag team match in Wales against uh, Gallus and Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. I remember uh, one, of the, mm-hmm. one of the takeovers. That that triple threat match was just amazing. I thought this had the chance to equal it, but it just the start of the matches made it not get to that point. It, it almost felt like a come down match because this was right after Walter Champlin. We we're all hyped about that. The match did pick up towards the end. Um, I I think the right move would have been to have Grizzled Young Veterans win the title, be the heel champions that they are. James Drake is the most underrated wrestler in WWE, and I am, I'm going to keep saying that, and I've said it for over a year. He's the most underrated wrestler in WWE. Zach Gibson is one of the best talkers in all of professional wrestling. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think the best route would have been to have MSK work towards getting a title match against GYV at the next takeover or the takeover after that and maybe have GYV, you know, retain the first match with some, you know, heelish ways because that's what they do. But I'm just concerned about promos that MSK will have to cut as a tag team champions. They've done pretty well, but being a champion, doing a a champion's promo is much different than when you're the challenger leading up to it. And I think GYV would have been much better suited because of Zach Gibson to be that tag team that kind of is the fulcrum of the division moving forward until they put the titles on MSK. Not to say that I'm mad about MSK winning. They're a fantastic tag team. It's just going to be interesting to see how they portray them moving forward because 
we, we know they have talent. We know they're high on them. But just how much of that is going to come through while they're champion? Are they more suited to be the chase, the chaser, or are they more suited to be the champion? That is, I think, the big question we're going to see with MSK. Which you nailed the point I was going to bring up. You feel like Grizzly Young Veterans would have been the team that should have won it. Get MSK to chase it for maybe four to six months and mm-hmm. have that story pay off at the Survivor Series takeover. Yeah. yeah. Bam. You got a made right there. So, no, that's a that's an excellent call. Um, that's probably the way I think I would have gone now that you just you brought the logic to it. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Like the Rascals, Nash Carter, Wesley, MSK, they are more than worthy. Maybe we're going to see a restoration of the NXT Tag Team Division. Um, right. So this is a good start. Now we just need to see who's going to continue. Who's going to chase them from here? Are Grizzly Young Veterans going to stay here? Are they going to go back to the UK? What's the question there? Who knows? Oh, no. Yeah, super curious how that's going to go, especially with like Walter, because he just shows up randomly in America and then goes right back to the UK. He's openly stated that he wants to wrestle primarily in Britain, so mm-hmm. which I think is it's a treat. It's robbing us here in America, but at the same time, I mean, if you throw him in a different umbrella, I don't know if a specific man, one Vincent Kennedy McMahon, would be able to know what the hell to do with him. So, well, c- correct me if I'm wrong, but the reason he signed with UK is because he didn't want to travel to the states, right? And so it's yes. kind of like he, he's 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 reneeing on his his uh his initial demand so it's just it's interesting um but the more we can see walter stateside the better anyway so whatever um if if they're paying him more to do that then good for him absolutely deserves it he's in the conversation for the best wrestler on the planet oh yeah depends depends on what you like nxt women's main event uh which i'm glad they got the main event title change and this actually was the second shortest match on the card Raquel Gonzalez took it over. She Mm -hmm. finally dethroned Io Shirai. I'm happy that it got here. However, I'm not happy with the direction of Raquel Gonzalez over the last three to four months. It was just weird because, and you can elaborate a little bit more further than I can because you were more in tune. Give me your thoughts on the match and then kind of the build in between to get us here. So the thing with Raquel Gonzalez that made it those last three or four months that you're talking about were kind of confused on the booking or whatnot is because they wanted to keep her as a monster but they needed to make sure that she didn't just decimate the entire women's roster on the way to Io Shirai because then that would make everybody else on the women's roster define even more down, right? Um, and the thing with Raquel is she's she's a good promo when it's intense and short at this point in her career. On last night, I was on the Pro Wrestling Torch uh, NXT take or NXT post show, and I talked about how I would kind of compare Raquel Gonzalez on the mic to kind of Bobby Lashley right now they're great with the intensity and the short spurt, but once they have to go a little longer, it gets a little bit of, um, it's lacking a little bit. To, and But I think it was the right call because if Io Shirai won, there was literally no one else on the roster who she hasn't already beaten, basically. Right? Mm-hmm. And they would have had to gone back to what they did with the Great American Bash last year and have someone like a Sasha Banks or someone from Raw SmackDown come down just to have a match with her. And that's not where you want to go with Io Shirai. There's talk that Io Shirai might now be done with NXT. Um, it was even spurred further by WWE, I don't know if it was the NXT account or the network account on Twitter last night, tweeted out a a video of Shirai after the match leaving, and it was hashtag thank you EO. And usually when that stuff happens, it means they're done with NXT, right? Um, I would like to see her on SmackDown because I believe that Lynch and Rousey are both going to return on Raw. Um, and that will allow EO to maintain that awesome in-ring character in matches and feuds against people like Banks and Belair. With Raquel Gonzalez moving forward, um, what's going to be interesting is to see how they, if they keep Dakota Kai with her, if Dakota Kai turns on Raquel Gonzalez or if Raquel Gonzalez turns on Dakota Kai. Um, and then what I want NXT to do, even if some of the, some of it might not go as well is have the confidence that Raquel Gonzalez has the confidence that she can grow on the mic, put her out there and let her sink or swim, right? Don't just go out there and have her say 30 seconds worth. If she's going to be a champion, have her cut the five minute champions pro, right? And even if it goes bad, Make it a learning experience. Have her do it. She is out of all the wrestlers in NXT since quarantine, especially. I don't think there's anyone who's improved more in the ring than Raquel Gonzalez from when you first saw her in NXT to where you see her now. And her matches will be pretty good moving forward. They're not going to be Io Shirai, of course, because Io Shirai is just on a whole different level. But I think looking at the lineage of the title, most protected title in all of WWE, most protected title arguably in all of professional wrestling, I think she'll maintain maintain it and have a pretty dominating reign because there's one, there's just no one with the size and look that she has and the power and the skills that she has in NXT right now. Um, I would be interested to see if they could bring Kaylee Ray over for a match with Raquel Gonzalez. That would be to me an ideal 
uh, match for the next takeover, something like that. Um, even if it's just a showcase match, just have them together, showcase the best of the best in both both uh, promotions and go from there. Kaylee Ray is vastly underrated, one of the best wrestlers in the world again. So it would be a fantastic match in my opinion, but we'll see. Very due for one of those worlds collide mm-hmm. events. Which... There you go, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that might happen. I mean, it could happen early next year because that's when it happened back in 2019 or 2020. 2020, that's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. I think Raquel Gonzalez has kind of done what Rhea Ripley did back in 2019. And very, just, good, very good comparison. Yeah, they elevated her to this spot and she's deserved it rightfully. So now we hope that they keep it on her a lot longer than they did with Rhea because they botched that. And yeah. we're going to dive right into the WrestleMania piece real quick here. But um, I have this little thing for you. You just mentioned you Shirai saying thank you EO you're gone like or there's the potential you could be gone would it be would it be very WWE-esque for them to have her just all of a sudden debut at Wrestlemania against Bailey in a match would would you be would you approve it or is it would you rather have her get the old Friday night treatment night after Wrestlemania deal so it's interesting because one of my friends on Twitter, Craig, I don't know if you know Craig at all, but um, he he tweeted in response to someone asking me about where I wanted to see EO last night. He said, hmm, I was wondering what Bailey was going to do for Mania and like hinting at maybe, I don't know if they're going to have time or space for a match, but what they might do is have them set up an interaction to where now EO Shirai, you see her at WrestleMania. So the fans who don't know her, right? Most of WrestleMania is their biggest audience of the year. So they're going to have fans who don't know who any of these people are, except for the big ones, come in. Boom, you see Bailey. You know who Bailey is. And oh wait, who's this really confident Japanese lady who's just all in her face and saying all this stuff? And oh, I want to see that. They should, I think, <coughs> especially because Bailey, I keep using this, but I don't think a loss for Bailey really hurts her at this point, right? Um, she could be that first feud for Shirai and give her because Bailey gives great matches. And you put her in there with Eo Shirai, whew, that's gonna be a great match. You can have her feud with with EO and then have EO go over and then have that be the, the impetus for her to then say, I want the women's champion, right? Regardless of if it's Banks or Belair who has it, maybe she has to go through the loser of the match on Sunday be, as the number one contender match before she gets the title. Uh, I think I would like what you're saying. I would like to see some interaction between EO Shirai and Bailey on Sunday or Saturday just to to set that seed and get people interested and then have them get them that reason to tune in on Friday. Yeah. I mean, if you had a proper build for it, this would have been a perfect way to have a WrestleMania match. But yes, yes um, there's probably not enough time to do that unless you have her miraculously show up this Friday, tomorrow and confront Bailey because Bailey obviously has nothing. To oh, do the show's already so. recorded, though. Oh, well, there you go. Because they had to move out of t- Tropicana to go to Yingling Center at, for USF. So they recorded the show last week. Okay. Yeah. So then, well, there goes that idea. Um, no, I mean, we'll we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I think an EO Bailey, obviously, initial main roster feud, you, I don't think you can drop the ball with it, especially no. if it's on SmackDown. You really can't. Unless Bailey goes over. That's the only way you could drop the ball with that feud. Which scares me just because yeah. of the way that, uh, I mean, they've kind of hot potatoed Asuka around too for the last couple of years. Ka- Kyrie Sane is another example um, where it's like, <laughs> what? Speaking of, mm-hmm. Bailey and Kyrie Sane have been going back and forth on Twitter with Kyrie Sane almost teasing that she's going to be at Mania this weekend. So, and Sane, and remember the person that really brought Io Shirai and kind of into NXT and kind of welcomed her was Kyrie Sane. Right. So there's that connection there as well. So we'll see. Um, I'm not holding out hopes that Kyrie Sane shows up, but we've seen these Twitter, these Twitter things lead to things like this before. So jury's out. We're going to see how it goes. Um, real quick, NXT night two. We're not going to go over the card in detail. Unfortunately, I wish we could. Um, I talk too much. I'm sorry. We, we both talk a lot. What are you looking the most forward to tonight? Probably the unsanctioned match. Um, Kyle O'Reilly. If you haven't, just go back and watch Cole and O'Reilly's feud from Ring of Honor and their matches. Uh, that'll give you a little inkling of what they can do. And the scary thing is, they've both gotten better since then, right? Um, especially Kyle O'Reilly, because he had been in the tag team for so long. And when they finally let those shackles go and let him be what he was in Ring of Honor, was just not just you know in Red Dragon, but when he was a singles, he was a world champion in Ring of Honor, right? So he is one of the best technical wrestlers who's able to fuse a martial arts style with it um his kicks fantastic his grappling like he looks like he's legitimately applying an actual kimura right when he's doing that um his facial expressions <laughs> are some of the best all of professional wrestling um i could do without his new hairdo and his and his kind of like 
grunge rocker, but I'm going to have a faux hawk look that he's going to have. Sonata-esque in America. Yes, 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 there you go. Um, Rich Fan's son, Sonata. Um, and I understand, you know, they have to make him look distinct from when he was in the Undisputed Era and distinct from Adam Cole, but it, it kind of looks funny. But that being said, those two are going to pull out all the stops. They're going to try and kill each other in the best possible way. Um, and I think more so than any other match on the card, outside of maybe maybe Santos Escobar versus another person who was accused of speaking out. Mm-hmm. The best match is probably going to be Kyle O'Reilly versus versus um, Adam Cole in the unsanctioned match. The most, I think what draws me most to this match is who is going to go over and what does that mean for the loser? That is the most interesting thing of night two. That is a great segue with, um, yeah, if O'Reilly wins it. We know Adam Cole is a star power, and you talk about how much that both of them have improved since they've left Ring of Honor. O'Reilly's improved with his mic work and his personality and his presentation, while Adam Cole, I was not a fan of his in-ring work, and all of a sudden he's one of the best in the world to go along with everything that he has. If this is not the match of the entire week for me, I will be in an absolute state of shock just because of Champa. Yeah, I know. Has a lot to live up to. But if the two, those two can do it, they just, they have the chemistry, which is something that the built in already where Walter and Ciampa didn't have it. Um, the only other match this week that is going to give Walter Ciampa and that match a run for his money is Cesaro versus Rollins at Mania. Seth does seem to do that a lot, doesn't he? Uh, well, and he has Cesaro in there, so. I know, yeah. which is his first singles match at a WrestleMania. And we, mm-hmm. we're going to dive into that right now. We'll actually talk about in between night one and night two on the Sunday kind of morning early afternoon broadcast uh prepping you for night two of wrestlemania we'll talk about the build for um the entire card but we're gonna dive into night one's card uh i'm looking at it now and some of it looks some of it looks like very intriguing to me and other of it's i'm just like eh. and again we'll talk we'll lead to it more on sunday but i'm gonna start with the tag team turmoil match to determine the women's tag team title number one contender your thoughts on that yeah i see, oh the, I see the facials um my thing is wwe for the last year cannot seem to book a women's championship feud that doesn't involve the women's tag team champions it just infuriates me you had oscar and Kyrie saying no you had uh, when, when they were champions at Oscar, Charlotte Flair, do we have Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks doing it right now? They just did it with Rhea Ripley and Oscar. It's too much, and because of that, they haven't had any time to build tag teams. So what do you do? You just throw them all together because you have no other reason to. Unlike last night, where the gauntlet match was being built for a couple of weeks, and you're leaving that bit of intrigue to come to the next night. I don't care about the match on Saturday because none of those teams have been booked as anything more than one. If they do get a victory, it's always a fluke victory. And two, they've all been dominated so much by Baszler and Jax that what point do I even think that even if they win, they have a chance against Jax and Baszler. I said Naya and Jax. (laughs) Wow. Jax and Baszler. Um, It's just this WrestleMania, the competing narratives, the, the narratives that are competing, but also right the build has been crap, but some of the matches on the cards are just fire, are going to be fire. So it, it, it's just a weird time. And it's something that you don't have Bailey on the card. You don't have other people on the card, but you're just going to throw in a tag team turmoil match that had no reason to be put there. It, it's just, it, it just boggles my mind. We think so much alike. I mean, that's why I, that's why I have you on the show. Although it would be maybe a little bit better if we disagreed on a lot of things. Well, we disagreed on GYV earlier, but I brought you to my side. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I listen to Voices of Reason on occasion. Yeah, this is a match I just don't care about, unfortunately. Yeah. It really is. And there's, there was another time slot that you could have, another match you could have devoted some time to. Um, I, I'm going to actually backtrack one real quick before we dive into the rest of night one. Do you see um, either Finn Balor or Johnny Gargano losing their championship tonight as well? That's my last question there. I think Gargano has more of a probability of losing it. My thing with Karrion Cross is, it's weird to say, but his presentation and impact was better than his presentation in NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in ring. I'll put it that way, in ring. Because uh, his character outside the ring, the vignettes, the the promos, they're they're pretty they're pretty good. He does a bit too much snarling in the ring, and he he I know he wants to be more like a a power wrestler and all this. One, his size doesn't really lend him to to believably be that to a lot of us. I think true. Mm-hmm. But two, it's also um he's just not as fluid as I as you would think someone in NXT as the NXT championship or as champion would be. Um, he reminds me of a. Okay, I'm gonna get some heat for it. He's a better ver- he's the best version of what EC3 could have been in NXT. Okay. 
And I'm not like the Finn Balor is fine. Um, I don't think he's necessarily been a dynamic champion in any of his NXT reigns. Um, but I still think he'd be a better champion than Karrion Cross. But then we didn't even get to see what Karrion Cross was like as champion because he had to relinquish his title right away after he was injured in the match against Keith Lee. Maybe with Scarlett there doing the promos and everything as a champion, it, it could be different. But um, I, I would want Finn Balor to retain. I would want someone um, else to go ahead and challenge him. Again, outside of O'Reilly and, and Cole, though, uh, there really haven't been many singles wrestlers who have been booked strongly recently to be in that role against whoever emerges victorious from the championship. You're 100% right on that. I have done a 180-degree turn on Finn Balor. When he, since he's come back to NXT, I used to not despise the guy, but I didn't, I didn't get it. I really mm-hmm. didn't get it. I, mm-hmm. Even with the demon character, which I love, um, I didn't get it. Right. And this title run, the matches he's been putting on have just been absolute clinics. And I'm officially sold on him as the man. I think he should hang on to it as well. Um, mm-hmm. Don't go back to the main roster, please, unless Vince, heaven forbid, passes away. Um, and even then, I don't know if I want him on the main <laughs> roster. <laughs> um. All right, back to night one. Ick for this next one. Braun Strowman, Shane McMahon. Oh, God. I cover Raw for Pro Wrestling Torch. I've had to suffer through this for months. <sighs> Shane was a little better on Monday. Braun, to me, wasn't um, because he went back to just yelling for 90% of his promos, which you got to build up and you got to leave some space for that. In, for that. But does anyone actually care about this match? Is anyone actually interested in this match? Like, we all know Shane's going to lose, right? And we all know Shane's going to jump off the cage or do something. And and even then, a steel cage in WWE has never kept anybody from either escaping or interfering in the match. So we're going to see Elias and Jackson Riker interfere in the match somehow anyway. Um, I, a good thing they're getting these matches out the way early. The tag team turmoil match in this mcmahon Strowman match. Shout out to Chris Jeter on this, by the way. If, uh, if he were on here, he'd be like, these are the, the four people I care about the absolute least. Because yeah. I know how much he despises Elias, and I actually like him. Out he of the other grifter. Yeah, the the grifter. You can't the other three, like you can just get them off my television for myriad of reasons. So especially Jackson Riker. One hundred percent correct. Yes. <laughs> um New Day are your raw tag team champions, and we'll talk about the hurt business on the next podcast. Um they're take they're going against uh, AJ Styles in the in ring debut of his bodyguard almost. So since Omos debuted and was paired with AJ Styles. I've been high, very high, not just because he's tall, but very high on Omas because you know how I talked earlier about how certain wrestlers just have a presence about them, just a certain thing that draws you to them, not just because of his size, but Omas, his facial expressions when he speaks, just there's something there. There, I I can see what they see in him because there's definitely something there that's making me just like want to see more. So the most intriguing aspect for me of this match is what does Omas look like in the ring? We've only seen him in Raw Underground, and that wasn't even that much. So the good thing is he has three of the best people to move around and take bombs and fly around the ring and create movement for him, right? I think one thing he has shown is that he's not as limber because he's such a big dude. Uh, he did have that one moment where he, he kicked someone, did a high kick to someone, and it was like he, his leg was parallel with his body. So he, he has some flexibility there, um, but he's not as limber as a lot of these other people would be, right? Not as quick moving. Um, so having Woods, having Kingston there, and then having his partner be AJ Styles, one, not just the fact that you're learning a lot from Styles on, on psychology, on promo work, on character work, but um, regardless of how you feel, again, we're going back to the whole art versus artist thing, regardless of how you feel about AJ Styles and his personal beliefs, um, it is inarguable that AJ Styles is... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the top wrestlers of the last 20 years. Inarguable. In ring. You know, you have him, you have Dan O'Brien. I think those two might have, in terms of U.S. professional wrestling, those two are definitely at the top of the list for the last 20 years, right? Yeah. So I think that they're going to take the title and they've done a lot of moving with the titles lately, but I think the right call is actually put it on Styles and Omas. Um, the new day since they split with Big E, which is weird to say, they've actually gone more on the goofy side. Where 
he's gone more on the serious side and people thought it'd be the flip, right? I think if they get the title taken away and um, have to chase again, they will realize that they need to return back to a bit more of a serious note and less of a comedic rule. Uh, it doesn't help when AJ is playing along with them. Omos isn't, so that's nice. Um, he's showing that he's not stupid, right? He just doesn't want to play along with them. But I think the best thing for all people involved would be to have the titles go to AJ Styles and Omos. I agree, and we agree with the Daniel Bryan comparison, where it's like if you're going to be mentored by by somebody, it's either going to be AJ or it's Daniel Bryan. So mm-hmm. yeah, the logic makes sense there, and maybe it'll actually get me to care about the Raw Tag Team titles. Who really knows? <laughs> Cesaro, Seth Rollins, which we discussed earlier. Any more in depth on that? Uh, contender for match of the week match of the year match of the everything uh we all know seth rollins can go we all know cesaro can go i hope they get at least 10 to 15 minutes and not seven to eight but we'll you know it it's really going to depend on how much time they get with seven to eight matches on the card there's only seven right now i get a feeling it's going to go at least 15 hope so i and if that goes 15 they're going to get at least a four or four and a half star match we agree we completely yeah. agree um who goes over is the question I think Cesaro goes over, actually. They've been they've really been building him as more of a serious, incredible singles threat um, at the expense of Nakamura, unfortunately. But and you know, Seth's record at WrestleMania isn't great either. So uh, he can he can take those losses and still people are like, oh, it was a great performance, right? He people talk about the cash in, but they also talk about him taking the RKO from Randy Orton earlier in the night, right? Um, he's had memorable matches that didn't result in him, you know, necessarily winning all the time. I think, how do I put this? Who, the victor on Sunday will determine on if they think Cesaro is going to be world champion material. If Cesaro goes over, I'm very ecstatic. If Cesaro doesn't go over, unfortunately, he's going to be United States champion, intercontinental champion. That's, that's, that's it. The difference is his promos, and we got to see if he can pick that up. That's that's all it's always, that's all it stopped him. And He's been doing pretty well the last few weeks, in my better. opinion, on the mic. Yeah. yeah. He has done better. It's unfortunate. We can go into a diatribe about the Paul Heyman experiment five, six years ago, and that'll just conjure up bad memories for me. So we're going we're gonna to move forward. Uh, real quick here. Thankfully, this shouldn't take too long. Miz and John Morrison, Damian Priest, Bad Bunny. Bill's been fine. I'm just mad they painted the Bugatti. I know it was what people on Twitter, you know, it was, it was water paint and it washes off. Yes, it's about the principle of the matter. You're painting a Bugatti. Okay. Uh, but um, I think we all know Priest and Bunny are going to go over. Bunny's going to have at least one or two spots where he dives off the top turn buckle and hits somebody or do something. He'll, he'll probably get the pin. Um, and it works. It's fine. It really does. And I know he's been training for this. So I yeah. think he's going to do okay. I really do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I don't um, find any. There, how do I put this? I don't, I don't see anything wrong with the match. But I don't necessarily see anything great about the match. It's just there, and it's fine. It, it is, and it's going to draw more more eyes to yeah. WrestleMania just because of Bad Bunny's presence worldwide, which... Yeah, yeah most it, popular artist in the world, basically, mm-hmm. so... Good, good PR move. We'll see how it goes. All right, uh, the question on the last two matches is who should open the show, who should close it? They're both championship matches. You have Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre and then Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair. If they really want McIntyre to be cheered, the first thing the fans need to hear to start the show is his Claymore sound, the sound of the sword, the shing, and his music hitting. You said we're going to talk about the Hurt Business on, on Sunday. And, Absolutely. And, you know, um, I'm upset about the, the breakup. But if you want McIntyre to be cheered, and the whole reason that you broke them up was to make sure McIntyre gets cheered, have him be the first one to enter. The match that should be last, that should main event, is Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair. Not just because of the historical significance of two black women competing in WrestleMania. Say what you want about the build. They've not been given the best material. They've done the best they can to make sure that you are in, invested and intrigued. And if you're committed to what you state you are in terms of diversity, in terms of social justice, you need to send a signal to your fans that we are there right there with you. Um, they've dropped the ball so many times, especially with black women wrestlers especially darker black women wrestlers. I'm thinking specifically of Naomi, Naomi. Um, mm-hmm. that they can't do that here. You need to have them be the main event. You need to have, you need to give them at least 15 minutes. You can't give them less. You cannot give them 12 minutes. You cannot give them 10 minutes. You need to give them 15 minutes and you need to have Bianca Belair go over um, her crowning moment, her crowning achievement. The match is going to be extremely good. You have Sasha Banks, who I believe outside of Io Shirai is probably the best women's wrestler in the world in terms of in between, in the ring, in between the ropes. Um, I love Lashley. I've been on the Lashley train for 15 years, right? Back when I first saw him debut on SmackDown. It's just going to be a letdown, I feel like, if McIntyre or Lashley is the main event, especially if McIntyre goes over. No, I 
yeah, I think we're going to see a new champion, Bianca Belair, for sure. That should it should main event for myriad reasons. They unfortunately dropped the ball with the build, um, yeah, yeah. which Kel and I touched on a lot. That's how, pretty much every match on the card on both cards, though, is the builds it, have been bad. It it really is, and the one thing that scares me is um, now with Bobby Lashley and there having been no crowds whatsoever. What like what type of reception is he going to receive? And if it's if it's pops, you he well, I think regardless, I think he needs to win. I think you put himself in that position because Drew McIntyre has had, I've loved the direction of his character. I just didn't really understand the Randy Orton quick little um, feud where he won the championship, then won it back. And then now he just lost it again to the Miz. And I don't want him to win it for a third time. He had his moment last year. So I think Lashley should go over here and we'll see what a crowd responds to from there. Quickly, two things. You don't give Lashley an entrance like that. That Drew McIntyre didn't even get. That Roman Reigns didn't even get if you're only going to have him be champion for six weeks. And two, I feel that McIntyre has been better as the person chasing the champion. And when he's champion, he tries to get too cute with his lines and too cute with his promos and falls more into like, like I'm going to be a comedic babyface champion a little bit too much. And I feel like he's much better when he has that aggression as the chaser. Yeah, we completely agree. I mean, our, our predictions are pretty much spot on, which again, we're touching on everything on Sunday. Bruce, please promote everything right now. You got a lot going on as we discussed off air. Yeah, um, so I write, the raw i write an alternative perspective report for pro wrestling torch which is a site that wade keller created and, and runs he does a report on raw and i do one right alongside him so if you want to if you don't want to watch raw and you want to just check out you know my thoughts my analysis go to pwtorch.com on monday nights and you'll see my report there i also write for dailyddt.com along with jesse we have a lot of colleagues there and uh, i have a weekly column that comes out tuesday mornings after raw where i take a look at one big thing from raw and just kind of talk about that um and I've been on a lot of Torch podcasts lately. So if you just go to the Torch, you'll see my name um, on some things. But uh, find me on Twitter at B underscore Lee 253, B underscore L-E-E 253. And that is now listed on the new Twitter account, Wrestling You and You. So you'll be able to see it there. I know for one month it's going to be flipping awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited to have you on for this next month. And uh, Wade, Wade Keller's a Minnesota project, so he's he's from here. So I've been following him for 20 to 25 years. And yeah, PW Torch is a great, great place to go. So everything's going to be under the header. Uh, anything you want to close with, Bruce? Uh, no, just thank you for bringing me on for this month. And, and I hope that the conversation was engaging and people enjoy it. And if you do, then you'll have a whole month to be with me and listen to my weird voice so it's going to be phenomenal weird voice like i called you before you are the american version of rocky romero <laughs> i'll take it <laughs> yeah. oh man so for bruce hazelwood my name is jesse velasquez you listen to unplugged and undeniable we will see you on the flip side